you absolutely don't have to have all the answers yourself. And I think, you know, the, you know, maybe the single biggest thing is the ability to ask for help. And, you know, the first day I was put in role, I grabbed everyone on my, my senior leadership team and said, you know, this is what's happening. I'm very excited about it. I'm going to need the help of every single person here and like lots of it. And I'm glad I got to that on my first day because it's been true. Hello and welcome to this edition of Meet the CEO. In this edition, we'll meet Matthew Moore, President and Managing Director at Liberty Specialty Markets based here in London. Matthew shares some great insight into his journey throughout the business over the last 20 years, starting as an assistant underwriter, all the way to leading the business and the organization. So no further ado, Matthew, welcome and welcome to Meet the CEO. It's great to speak to you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, our pleasure. So, so let's, yeah, let's jump right in. Let's get started. So, so, so why did you become you know, the CEO, although you had a slightly different title to being the president? Why, why did you take this role and, and, and what's your background to get there? That'd be great to start us off. Sure. Well, um, I definitely wasn't parachuted in to the role because I've been at my organization for about 20 years. And so I joined about this time 20 years ago and worked my way through the organization. Joined as uh, an assistant underwriter, which is a relatively in, in an environment where that was a genuinely junior role. So I can really say that I've worked through the organization. Back in 2009, I was given a big promotion to become a senior executive manager of, of the organization as it, as it then was. And, and back then, the size of the business was about $750 million. And we go forward sort of to, to today and it, it is getting on for $8 billion. So it's been quite a journey for, for me and for the organization and for lots of the wonderful people that have helped to, to build that. And then three years ago, I was offered the opportunity to, to lead the business, which is on one hand a daunting proposition when it gets, when you, when you look at it up close, but on the other felt like that was the right thing for the business and it felt like the right thing for me. And I'm happy to say, as we fast forward through the years, I think that I can still say that. There may be some people that disagree with me, but uh, I think that it's been a, a, a good outcome all around, but definitely a very big learning experience, which we may want to talk about today. That was um, lots of lots of gaps to be filled, lots of challenges to be faced, lots of, <laughs> lots of things for me to learn on the way. But yeah, it's been, it's been quite a ride. Very good. And you sort of been commenting, you weren't parachuted into the business. You've really grown your career in the business. Yeah. And do you think that that's really helped you? You know, now you're at the, uh, the helm of it and running the business, that background, do you think that really, really helps you with the role of leading the business? Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Neil. I mean, funny enough, I was talking about this two or three weeks ago with another CEO of, of, a, of a listed business in, in the UK. And he's also been in his organization for a not dissimilar amount of time. And we were sort of saying, well, there's got a pros and cons. On one hand, you know, you, you know the organization very deeply. You pick up a huge amount of institutional knowledge. There's a cultural piece in there. You've built relationships, et cetera. So that, 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 that all feels good. Having said that, you know, What's that, that phrase? You know, there are no profits in one's own land. And, you know, sometimes and we're going to talk about this to make some of the impact, both strategic, cultural, the way things get done around here. If you kind of come through the organization, that can be you know, more challenging. It can be more challenging because maybe you don't have access to those external insights, but also it can be challenging because of how you're seen in the organization, because people associate you not necessarily with that new role. They associate you with the roles that you've occupied through through the business so it's kind of quite interesting you know 
as a, as a chief executive, you need to be an agent of change. And maybe we can talk about that. So it's interesting when you've come through the business that you're, you're changing from what you used to be and you were a part of. So I think there's definitely some, some advantages. I would say that, wouldn't I? But, you know, what comes with that is, you know, you have to sort of police yourself and make sure that you are not so embedded in the organization that you've been a part of, that you're not aware of that wider context and the change that inevitably you're going to need to bring as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So just you know, digress a little bit. So what part of the week is absolutely kind of sacrosanct to you? What's the part of the week that you, know, you, won't, you just won't adjust your, your schedule for? What are those uh, things that you consider <laughs> cost? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, uh, I mean, the, maybe I'll answer it in two halves. I mean, because the, the business I lead is genuinely a global business, it means that during the well, what we used to call the working week, I'm not quite sure what the working week is in, in our lock, post-lockdown world, but, you know, the, the five days, Monday to Friday, that is not sacrosanct. You know, I'm an early riser. You know, the, the alarm goes not long after five, and I'm pretty much I'm, I'm you know, at, at the emails at, at six, and then, you know, with a with a US business, a US parent company, that means that that, that can be a long day, and with all the emails and, and, and communications that we have into the evening. So, so Monday to Friday is not sacrosanct for for people that want you know that, that, that wants to do this sort of role. Weekends are different. I uh, Saturday afternoon, I am to be found at Queens Park Rangers Football Club. Now, I'm not sure the words Queens Park Rangers and sacrosanct are often <laughs> being seen in the same sentence. It's more of a sort of trial of endurance than than being in any way sacred, but. That's what I'd get up to on a Saturday afternoon to sort of help unwind from the week. And then my, my Sundays are kind of close to being sacrosanct. I, I think I've got the sort of Sundays someone might have had in the 1950s because my, my routine on a Sunday morning is like I get up, I go for a, I live just off the river, I, go, I have a sort of 10K run on, on the river. I then go to church and then I go down the pub and read the Sunday papers with a pint of Guinness. So I think, you know, if anyone wants a sort of very low-tech analog non-digital sunday morning i think that would probably win the gold medal sounds sounds good love that sounds good so clearly we've been through some you know, some challenging times but, but what's been the most challenging kind of event or situation you've encountered in your role as as, as the ceo and, and what did you learn from it yeah i mean i you know one gets asked that question and it and it, what what seems a very straightforward question actually is quite complex because there's different sort of challenges i think you know crudely put that the challenges in terms of you know anxiety or stress are always associated with you know the people side of the business because you you know these are these are people you've got to know these are you know you, you get insight into their personal lives their ambitions people are passionate so anything with a you know when you're particularly talking about you know the firing side of hiring and firing that there's always that that element to it maybe we can talk about that later but actually i think if, if it's any one issue if I'm being really honest is, is a couple of years ago you know after a, a long run of a series of good results we had to swallow some bad financial results and that came out of a particular area of the business and it, it kind of got very big on us very quickly and we you know we, we, we've worked our way through that you know successfully that 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 that's kind of not the end of the story but uh, it is very challenging because you're you're so personally associated with the fortunes of the business you take it it's kind of all consuming and the part that is 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 very challenging is that at the very time you need to be most analytical and most technical and most clear-headed and most thoughtful your emotions are running extremely high because you're taking it very personally on on yourself your own performance but also of 
you know the other people's performances that have generated this 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 outcome so you you know it's you know who's to blame why to blame who's responsible what who did stuff right what part of this explanation do i agree with what part of it is bullshit etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a you know there's your your kind of emotional sort of metabolic rate is running very very high but at the same time you you need to get to the bottom in a, in the most sober thoughtful analytical way you can so it can be managed for on best for, on behalf of absolutely everyone so i think you know that was a, that was a kind of a growing and learning experience you know i was supported you know extremely well by my executive team and uh, and the shareholder so you know and then that left a big impression on me in terms of what's important at moments of 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 you know if not necessarily crisis but definitely moments of stress so i think yeah it's that it's that piece of learning along the way that at the maximum point of stress is you need a maximum amount of sort of thoughtful balanced analytical capability and and i think that's a muscle we just all have to build i think there's no i think there's a shortcut to that Good. Yeah, very, very good. And, and with that sort of background and support, what's kind of been a big influence on the way you lead and what's created your leadership style? What's, what's influenced that? Yeah, I mean, again, some of, you know, people are kind enough to be curious. I mean, I'm asked that question and I don't have an amazingly simple answer. You know, I can't say that, you know, such and such is a leader that I, you know, follow in the footsteps of and that's a paradigm that I, I kind of self-consciously follow. But what I did say, what I would say, in thinking about that question is that perhaps I'm a bit of a magpie in the sense that I have had the opportunity, you know, through over the years, spend a lot of time both with leaders in our businesses internationally, our own organization, as well as in, as well as in London. And we have some, you know, very, very effective leaders throughout the world in, in the United States, in, 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 in Australia, in Europe, and genuinely internationally, all sorts of places. And I'm, you know, always very curious about how they lead and about how they get the outcomes they get so i'm very happy to sort of emulate that and i think in the past couple of years you, you you were kind enough to mention in your introduction that i'm the chairman of the london market group and the, the, the london market group is if, is if you like the sort of trade association for the specialty insurers and reinsurers and the brokers and lloyds all in one place in the london market and 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 that's you know it's actually quite an exciting environment insofar as you're, you are dealing with real decision makers. You're dealing with CEOs of big, big, small, and medium organisations. But you know, it, it really is a, a sort of top table that it, it's great to sit at, and you, you know, and you meet some very, very interesting people, and you get an insight into how they lead their business, and you know, how, how they go about getting stuff done. So, I, I wouldn't say there's any one individual, but I would say that I'm very happy to to be open-minded in terms of working that that, that stuff through. Not answering your question in another way, I, the other question I get kind of asked, which is maybe the first cousin of that, is, you know, what should our organization be like? What company should we emulate? Because I've got a bit of a sort of bugbear about, you know, people, have, people there's always the go-to companies saying, oh, Apple do this or Amazon do it. It's like, well, okay, but, you know, we're, we're self-evidently not that business, right? So, so what are we like? What are the values? What aspirations do we have for the way that we want to be? And actually, the organization I, I point to, which I find helpful, maybe other people don't, it's actually the Financial Times. So if you look at the Financial Times as an organization, it's, as it happens, it's, it's kind of headquartered in London. So there's a bit of a similarity there. But, but more importantly, it's a genuinely global business. It's 
you know, it produces products of a very high quality. It's very thoughtful. It's smart. It's quite sort of sassy. It's quite a cool product now in terms of it's not just about dry financial data. It's about, you know, a whole kind of wider lifestyle. And I think, you know, when you're, I think the product that you know Tony Barber was the was was the editor in chief, and really kind of really created that over the past ten years. He handed it over last year or the year before, and I think you know when you see that kind of thing come together, I think that's kind of quite a useful paradigm for Liberty Specialty Markets. That's something that I blog about from time to time. So yeah, I think if I'm thinking about things to emulate both leaders and how you put something together, which is super smart and global. And has got a really sort of high-performing culture. That, that, that's an organisation I'm pretty interested in. That's interesting. But I think it's underpinned by that, you know, curiosity and openness, which I think are traits of people that are willing to learn, embrace new things, and and, and just want to find out more about other industries, other markets. And, and the time has been a good example of that. And clearly, you, you lead you know an effective leadership team, right? Over that, that growth back to your intro, you, you, the growth you've been on as a business. What do you think the secret is of of having that really kind of effective executive team supporting and working for each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to say there's sort of, you know, the, the way to be, a, you know, there's some sort of throwaway phrase about the way to be a great cricket captain is to have a great team. <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, and I think the reason I sort of reflect on that is that if you are to have an effective team, you've got to have the right people in the role to start with. And, and, and you know, I've changed half of my executive team from the one I sort of inherited to the one I've got today. And it's very self-consciously, because I knew that, you know, there is, there is just no substitute for that. We're not going to get the outcomes we need unless we've got a very high quality executive team. So I think you've got to make some tough decisions. You've got to be super honest with yourself, whether those people are going to help you get there. I think the next point is, and again, it's been a learning for me along the way, is that what you can't have is an executive team. You know, they all run their functions. They're all successful people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in that job, but what actually binds you together. Now, some of that, or a very important part of that is your culture, and we can talk about that. So it's setting and creating and nurturing that cultural piece, but also it's getting behind a strategy. Because otherwise, if everyone comes to the table and they're sort of fulfilling, just fulfilling their day job, and then, you know, so you have a very good conversation with a smart, your smart CFO, then you have a very good conversation with your smart head of talent and a very smart conversation with your COO. But actually, that's not a team. That's just people kind of discharging their day-to-day duties so really what you need to do is you absolutely need to do is to create a strategy that you can all get behind and that for me is along with the culture piece is really the alchemy of it all because suddenly you've got your team all getting behind those those very explicit well communicated strategic goals so suddenly your coo and your cfo and your you know whoever it is around that executive head of technology or whatever, are all kind of now properly collaborating to achieve those strategic goals. But I think unless you've really got a clear articulation of your strategy, what does an executive team actually mean? You know, you've got to, you've got to have a common goal and it isn't just, you know, people getting through their day job and then, you know, if it's not, as long as it's not their problem, then so what? And that, that takes some building. And I think you have to be very thoughtful about that. But it's, it, it's you know, there's all these conversations about culture versus strategy. And truth is, you just need both of them. But you absolutely do need the strategy piece for that, for that effective team. Yeah, very much so. And then obviously, what's on the horizon? What's the next big change that you're facing as a, as a, as a leader, as a, as a business? What do you see on the horizon? Oh, that's a big question. I mean, I think the thing that, that I find 
daunting, a bit exciting, but but daunting as a change which is overtaking us all, has been the role of, you know, the sort of fundamental role of commercial organizations, particularly large commercial organizations. And what I mean by that is if you go back not so many years, you know, big business, you know, had a kind of clear sort of role in life. It was, you know, it, it provided products people wanted to buy. It provided profits to distribute to its shareholders. It provided, it paid, it employed people, it paid some tax, and it didn't expect to be loved, but it had a sort of fundamental role in society. You fast forward maybe five, definitely 10 years, and you look at, you know, 2020, 2021, and, you know, you've got, you know, what's the role of a, of a, a role of a corporation now is in sort of solving society's problems. It's, you know, not just providing products that people want, but, you know, if you think of lockdown, it's basically enabling societies to function. If you think of the challenges ahead of us with climate change, it's going to be to save the planet. If you think about Black Lives Matter or, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, it's to solve social and ethnic inequality. If you think about, you know, all of these things. So suddenly, you know, from a role which retrospectively looks pretty narrow, you know, flog some products and services, employ some people, pay your tax and, you know, distribute some dividends to your shareholders and keep your head down, is suddenly that that role of a, of a corporation is much greater. I mean, the demands on it are, are just huge. I mean, I think if we, when we do take a moment in society to sort of slow down and digest the last couple of years, I think there's, there's clearly been commentary about this, but my personal view is it's not been sort of thought about enough. I mean, is that a good thing that, that, that you know, commercial organizations are sort of fulfilling gap, are filling in gaps sort of left out by governments or wider society? Discuss, you know, pros and cons. But I think that you know, if we think about what's the the big thing, you know, we could talk about climate change, we can talk about cyber, digital, cyber currency, inequality. But I think for me, it's this sort of fundamental wraparound about when you when you sit in a and definitely when you lead a commercial organisation, what is the kind of contract with society now in doing that? I think it's changed, you know, really fundamentally. I think it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, I think it is. I think we've seen a lot of clients you work with they're, they're having the same internal debate and what's their role in that in that society, in the community. It's definitely uh, becoming much more of a conversation, but still a long way to go, I think. Very good. Yeah. And, and finally, for those out there that are aspiring to be the CEO, to, to be the, you know, the head and lead of the business, what kind of quick piece of advice would you give someone? You know, two or three snippets of you would share with someone that asked that question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Yeah, you know, answer a question with a question. I think you have to ask. You, probably the first thing is to think: Why do you want to be a CEO? If we just if we use those terms, hmm. and you know you you get well paid. That's true. You get you know you get the corner office. You get people being nice to you. You know sometimes. Yeah, you get yeah whatever it is. You get you know. I think the days of the executive dining room and the you know the decanter of port or whatever are long long gone so you don't get any of that but you know and there's there's definitely a you know a status thing and, and all of those good things and those are real and you know i'd be lying if i said i was immune to them so you know that's that that's that's true it's not to be you know inevitably despised but there's a big buck coming the trouble is you have to get out of bed the next day and leave the business and that those things kind of go out the window at that point and it really is sort of you and you know your abilities and your you know, your own kind of almost your conscience, you know, am I, am I the, doing the best I can for this organization? Am I being the, the leader it needs? Am I being the custodian that, that, that it needs? And 
frankly, if 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 the reason you're in that seat is because she's doing it at the status, you probably can't fill the second half of that conversation. So you, you need to be very clear about why you're doing it, what you're bringing to it, what you need, what you don't know that you need to know, what skills you don't have that you're going to need to develop and kind of how this thing plays out. So I think there's a, a, a definitely a piece of sort of self-reflection about about why you would want to do it and, and why is that good for you? Why is it good for your the business? And then you've got good for your family, by the way, because that, there's all these things kind of bring, bring that with it. So I think I'd start there. I kind of mentioned in, as a connection of that, you've also got to love it. As in, you've got to love that. You've got to love the, that commercial environment. You've got, you know, I, I, I'm, I love the industry I'm in, you know, I'm fascinated by it. I'm endlessly fascinated by it. And I don't think you could bring the energy and the insights and the capabilities to the office. Well, I certainly couldn't. There might be some people that are differently wired, but I do think, I don't think you can, I suppose somewhere, another way of saying this, I don't think you can do it cynically. I don't think you can do it if you kind of don't fundamentally enjoy the, the underlying commercial environment that you're a part of and you're just doing it sort of robotically. So I think you've got to, again, do I love it? You know, do I like reading about this? And is there something that's sort of, you know, or, or talking about it or just kind of experiencing that that environment and and then and then maybe as a you know as a comment or as a, as a reflection for, for me is that you know about advice being ceo is you absolutely are expected to lead right you cannot you cannot ignore that or downplay it you know you have to lead whether it's strategic whether it's cultural whether it's the energy we bring to a room whether it's you know how you how you show up but you absolutely don't have to have all the answers yourself. And I think, you know, the you know, maybe the single biggest thing is the ability to ask for help. And, you know, the first day I was put in role, I grabbed everyone on my, my senior leadership team and said, you know, this is what's happening. I'm very excited about it. I'm gonna need the help of every single person here and like lots of it. And I'm glad I got to that on my first day, because it's been true. Yeah. And you know, that help comes from lots of different places and it's not just from other senior leaders, it's it's throughout the organization. And I think creating an environment where you know you feel it's right it's the best outcome to ask for help and it doesn't undermine the fact that you're a leader of the business i think is is really valuable so that that has been a big learning along the way and um one now i've said it out loud i have to hold myself accountable for in the future it's going to be recorded, absolutely. So absolutely. I think you're right there, certainly that, you know, really understand why you want to do that. I have a passion for, for what you're doing, the, the role, and then, you know, clearly be open to learning. And, and you yeah, know, it shows some some vulnerability if you're around you. You're not the complete arsehole. You do need some help to, to develop things. So yeah. Some good bits of advice there. So I don't really, think anyone directly around me thinks I'm the complete article, so I just want to get that out <laughs> on record. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very good. So with that, so, so really, Matthew, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing some of the insight with us. It's really, really helpful and, and really useful. So we really appreciate that. And uh, thank you very much. No problem. Good to see you. Hope you enjoyed this edition and the insights you've gained from it. Key takeaways from this episode was absolute passion for people within the business, his drive to continue to develop a culture based on high performance, all this based on a deep understanding of what's required throughout the business based on his journey he's had. Please subscribe so you don't miss our next edition. And once again, thank you to Matthew and thanks for listening.